Hey guys, I'm Aaron Champ and you are listening to Filter. This is a Christian worldview podcast where we seek to equip you to live with biblical clarity in our chaotic world. That's something that I say at the beginning of every single one of our episodes, but I feel like it's something that is uh, especially true right now, that we are living in a chaotic world. Um, And it feels like we've been living in a chaotic world for quite a while. It's been a rough several weeks for us in the United States uh, coming off of the pandemic and the government, uh, the government shutdown of, uh, of all of life in America. Uh, and then as it seemed like that was slowly starting to get better, we saw a couple of uh, extremely tragic uh, actions in our nation in terms of the killing of Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd, just to name a couple of the high profile cases. And what this has done is it has uh, brought back to the forefront of our societal conversation once again the issue of uh, police brutality, the issue of race relations in America, and the need for racial reconciliation. And so, since it is our desire that we would equip you to live and view all of life and what is going on in our world uh, through the lens of Scripture, I wanted to take some time to make sure that we addressed this on filter. And so, in this episode, I invited a friend of mine, a pastor in here in Lafayette in the city that I serve in, um, to come onto the podcast. His name is Jeff Williams. Uh, Jeff is the pastor of the Open Door Church here in Lafayette. I've had the privilege of knowing Jeff for about a year. Uh, he is an amazing, incredible man of God, and I just have uh, so much admiration for him. Uh, every time that I get to talk to Jeff, it is just truly it's a pleasure and it's a privilege. Uh, I love him. And uh, as a brother in Christ, I knew that uh, I wanted to hear his voice on these issues. So I invited him to come onto the podcast. And so me and him uh, sat down and had a great conversation. Jeff has uh, some incredible insight and really uh, uh, beautiful biblical answers for us for how we should view these times we're living in and especially how we as Christians should respond to them. And so uh, we're releasing this in a part one and part two. And so uh, here as you go into part one, I really hope that you enjoy this conversation, that you find uh, as much beauty and goodness in it as I did. Uh, as you're watching this, make sure that you check out our show notes that are going to go along with it for highlights and for uh, any further resources that we can add in there that'll help you to continue pursuing this topic of uh, racial reconciliation and especially what scripture has to say about this topic. If you enjoy this, would you especially make sure that you share it with your friends, share it with people that you know it would benefit as well, that uh, it would bring hope to as well. And uh, especially if you would uh, if you would rate our show, rate our podcast, and, uh, and, and continue sharing it, uh, that really helps us out a lot. And so without any further delay, uh, here is my conversation with Jeff Williams. Williams, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. So glad to be here. Appreciate you uh, inviting me. Well, I really appreciate that you took the time to uh, sit down with me and to have this conversation. You and I have known each other for about a year now, and uh, I've been privileged to have some conversations with you, get to know you a little bit. But uh, just for our audience, would you just give yourself, uh, give like a brief biography of yourself, um, talk about your, uh, your background, how you went into ministry, uh, even if you would share a little bit of your testimony, that'd be great. Sure. Uh, 
thank you for giving me the opportunity to uh, introduce myself and, uh, and uh, share my heart uh, on your podcast here. Well, uh, uh, I, I grew up in Houston, Texas, um, and I didn't grow up uh, primarily in a Christian home, uh, but went to church uh, uh, pretty much all of my childhood. But it was approximately around uh, 16 that I um, uh, visited a a church in the area and we were um, um, just sitting around one day and I had a bus stop by the house and and invite me to church. Uh, And uh, through that bus ministry, I uh, came to uh, know many of the members there uh, that had a love for the Lord. And and, and I saw that passion and I saw that love uh, from Sister Montgomery. Uh, who was my Sunday school teacher, and, uh, and through that, uh, I, I wanted to just you know know more about uh, the Jesus that I'd heard about, but uh, but definitely didn't have a personal relationship with. Uh, and so they invited me to the uh, the Sunday service, and I heard uh, Pastor Heard at the Christian Tabernacle uh, speak about uh, Jesus wanted uh, you know to be my Savior, that He had died for me. Uh, and, uh, and I, and I not only, uh, felt it, but I, but I believed it because I saw that same in Sister Montgomery and others, others at that church, how much passion, how much love they have for the Lord. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was, it was a religious thing. You know, mom said, go to church. And, uh, and, uh, and so it wasn't a uh, personal relationship, but during that experience, I felt that, uh, and, and I wanted to know more. Uh, and I could feel Christ just, you know, pricking at my heart. Hmm. Uh, and so uh, on one of those Sunday mornings, I surrendered uh, my life to the Lord. Uh, I, I will tell you that I became saved that day. I, I truly believe that. Uh, and so I made him Savior, but I didn't fully make him Lord. I didn't give him complete control over my life. Uh, and so for the next four years, I spent uh, doing just about everything the world did, uh, and, uh, and how society tries to draw us in and conform us. Uh, and, and through that, I had an opportunity to, uh, uh, time, I had an opportunity to enter into the military, into the army reserves, uh, with, with the expectation of being able to go to college. Uh, and so the Lord made those opportunities available for me, but I wasn't very thankful, wasn't very grateful for it. Uh, until one day I was sitting uh, at my reserve unit and uh, this gentleman by the name of Sergeant Brown started talking to me uh, about how much God you know, loved me, how much he uh, wanted me to uh, follow his plan and his purpose for my life. Uh, and he spoke to me for two days under receiving persecution and people telling him to be quiet and, and this is not the place for it. And he just kept sharing with me. Uh, all of God's uh, desires and plans and hopes for my life. Uh, and, and I became very convicted by that. Uh, and so I just didn't want to, uh, you know, just be saved, but really, you know, follow the Lord. And I felt him pricking my heart, just like we remember the story of Paul on the Damascus Road. Uh, for me, it was Normandy Road. I had a Normandy Road experience. That's the street I used to live on. Uh, and, uh, and I immediately stopped in that old neighborhood and that old apartment that I used to live in. Uh, I grabbed everything out of my car, uh, and, uh, and I threw it in the dumpster. And the moment when I threw it in the dumpster and got back in my car, I felt the Holy Spirit. I felt God's presence, uh, just over, uh, overshadow me. 
love on me. And I remember just weeping in that car. And, mm. uh, and, uh, and I knew um, that, that God wanted me to uh, just, just trust him, to lean upon him. Uh, and so through that, uh, there were some definitive decisions that I was making in my life at the time. I, would, I, I transferred uh, colleges that I was at, went down to Lamar University uh, and, uh, you know, enrolled there and allowed the Lord to just lead me through the process of, of sanctification, of growing, uh, of, of sharing his word. And I saw him do uh, just wonderful things uh, in my life and in the lives of others. Uh, but I remember um, as growing up, there were a lot of things, just to talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that we're, we're experiencing in our society today and in our country today. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a pretty diverse community. Uh, and I remember uh, when I was at school, uh, when I was around my friends, uh, it didn't really look like home life. You know, home life was uh, very protected. Uh, growing up in a, in a in a black or an African American uh, home and community, uh, that that there seemed to be a lot of guardedness and uh, and and even to a certain extent fear, and that was projected in the home. I was many times I was remembered to t- being told, "Don't trust people." You know, uh, guard yourself, watch out for yourself. Uh, but that wasn't my same experience uh, uh, many times at school. You know, um, I grew up going to a school that was almost one third uh, African American, one third black, and Af- I mean Hispanic, and one third white. Uh, and, and and I believe we connected very well together. Uh, we uh, enjoyed being around each other, and and you could see a level of of friendship there. Um, but but you would go home and you would hear all of these things that uh, many times we wasn't personally experiencing uh, until I got a little bit older. And then uh, we started seeing I started seeing some of those things. And I realized something that uh, whether it was intended or unintended, that my family's fears or uh, understanding that maybe it was. In, in, and I know now there were hurts were being projected upon me uh, that was was unintended in some cases. Um, uh, but there was some times where it was intended, you know, out of love and wanting to protect me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I thought those things uh, you know, hadn't affected me. And, and I looked at it and said, well, that that's that's my my family. They come from a different generation. They, they experience different things. And I thought those things were far removed from me. And, and it wasn't until later on that I realized that when my grandmother hurt, I hurt as well. Uh, uh, I didn't fully see it at the time, but it had had an effect on me. Mm-hmm. And when the, some of those experiences uh, began to happen, uh, I remember um, a friend of mine in my 10th grade classroom, her and I would uh, joke around doing homeroom before we went to our classes. And uh, this particular day, we were joking around and uh, I accidentally stepped on her toe. And uh, I knew I had injured her. She fell to the ground. She was hurt. Uh, And I reached down to pick her up. And when I reached down to pick her up, I saw this fear on her face. 
and she pushed, she put her hand out and she told me to get away from me. And then she, she called me the N word. Uh, and I, uh, immediately felt that pain that my mom and my grandmother and others had, had been talking about. Uh, and, and that was kind of the start of a little bit of brokenness, um, that was, that was deep seated, that was down there. And, and I remember starting to harden a little bit and starting to distance myself. But I also remembered all of those people and all of those teachers and all of those friends that had treated me with kindness and treated me with love and, and remembered Sister Montgomery, how uh, in that Sunday school class, how she cared for me. Uh, and I tried to make that be the thing that I remembered the most, you know, through the hurt, through the pain. Uh, that there were there were there were people that had made a difference in my life. Someone told me a long time ago. They said it's a fallacy when we use absolutes when we say all or none, and and when we lump lump everyone into that category mm. uh, uh, because it's not all. You know, there are uh, there are people out there that that do terrible things. There are those that hurt, but that's not everyone. You know, and I think. Uh, uh, many of us have experiences on both sides of that where we've been hurt at times, where we've uh, experienced some some uh, some terrible things. But we've also experienced some wonderful things of people caring for us and loving for us. And so I wanted to be uh, that person that was showing uh, that agape love, that unconditional love, that caring that God had showed me, uh, that he had looked upon me. Uh, as his as, as uh, his beautiful creation uh, with diverse skills, gifts, talents, abilities, uh, backgrounds, uh, and, and, and allow uh, myself to make a change. You know, maybe I can't change the whole world, but I can change the world around me. I can mm -hmm. change the world within me. Uh, and so uh, endeavoring to do that, um, you know, it was important to be intentional about reaching out to others. Uh, you know, God has blessed me tremendously. I had a uh, um, about a 29-year military career. Uh, after being in the reserves and, and going through college, uh, I was able to get a commission as a, uh, an officer in the Army. Uh, and, and that came with many experiences. Uh, the Army is, is one of the most diverse uh, communities uh, and forces that we have. Uh, organizations that we have in our society. And so you run across many different people. And I remember running across, uh, uh, I'll give you one example. Um, when I went to basic training in 1986, uh, someone that, that uh, got in the car with me, with the recruiter, uh, we were going off to, to basic training together. His name was Jared. Jared was from Vider, Texas which is just down the road from Beaumont, Texas, where I went to school. Jared and I became very good friends. Uh, and Jared told me one time, uh, we're sitting around, he said, Jeff, if you ever want to come visit, call first. See, what I didn't know about Vider, uh, Texas at the time is that it was probably uh, one of, and, and this was 1986, it was one of the most segregated communities in America at this time. Uh, but Jared was such a compassionate and caring guy. I remember him and I, uh, we had a situation in, in our basic training where uh, this young man, his name was Private Booze. And Private Booze 
uh, was getting persecuted uh, because, you know, he didn't keep himself uh, as, as squared away as the military tends to require you. And when, and when one, one person's not squared away in your unit, everybody uh, tends to uh, suffer for it. Uh, and so some of the guys didn't like that Private Booze wasn't showering or taking care of things the way he should. And so uh, they took him into the bathroom and they used, they had these steel brushes that we would use to scrub the floors. And uh, in, in, uh, in, in this particular situation, the gentlemen, the guys that were doing this were, were, were white guys and Private Booze was white. And I remember myself, a couple other guys, and Jared uh, running in, in there and intervening in that situation. And I remember feeling someone's back next to my back. And that was Jared. He had his back against my back. And he was saying, I got your back, brother, I got your back. And, and through that whole experience of basic training, I saw someone that didn't look like me, didn't uh, come from my background, but I knew he had my back. Mm. And I knew I could, I could count on Jerry. Mm. Uh, and there's been many, many situations in my life like that, that if we truly look deeply, we can see, you know, how God has blessed us, how he's kept us, how he's allowed people to be in our life. Uh, because I look at our country today and I look at the situation that we're in and we've come a long way as a country and in a, in a, in a short period of time so often. So I think sometimes we forget that, that if we look across the world and we look at society, uh, many nations and cultures, it's taken thousands of years for them to develop and to grow. Mm -hmm. Our country is just a little over 300 years old. And so we started off with some uh, with good intentions. We started off wanting uh, to be able to worship God and, and, and have uh, freedom of religion. But we also started off doing some things that were not healthy, that were not good. Uh, we, you know, we were, uh, the reality of it is, is we started off, you know, taking this land uh, from those that were already here. We also started off by the institution of slavery. Uh, and so those are some things that uh, have, have been very traumatic, very detrimental. But look how far we've come in, in this such a short period of time. And, there, and that means people uh, have stood together, have fought against atrocities and, and, and hardships and, 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 and evil. Uh, and that's been on all sides of color, culture, background, and experience. Because we not, not one side can do that. Hmm. It, it, it takes uh, many people standing up uh, and look how far we've come. Do we still have a way to go? Absolutely. Because what I realized <clears throat> is that uh, the hurts of my grandmother, and grandfather and great-grandmother and grandfather still affect me today and still affect others. Just as we can quickly transition and, uh, and bring great healing, it also takes time uh, for healing to occur. Uh, and so we have to be willing to allow that process and don't be so quick to judge or so quick to say, get over it. 
because just as great as we've transitioned, there's also a need to for healing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think we're experiencing that in our country. Uh, I think we still have a ways to go, but, but look what God has done. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something to be very thankful about. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's just a beautiful story. Uh, I love hearing your testimony. Uh, I've heard it before. Love hearing it again. Oh, thank you. Beautiful story. And, um, and I, and I especially love the, uh, the, the hope that you share through your story and just through your, your vision of, uh, our country and our, where we are. Uh, it's a great encouragement to me. So with, uh, with where we are right now, um, with, uh, you know, a couple of, uh, recent, um, instances of, uh, well, in one case, police brutality with mm-hmm. George Floyd. Um, but in another case, not necessarily the police, but a, um, a posse, if you want to, if the term fits <laughs> of, uh, white men who tracked down Ahmaud Arbery, um, killed him. We've had these instances come up. They were on video, um, went viral. Everybody saw them. Um, and then now we have widespread protests, um, marches, um, you know, on the, on, as good things. We also have some, uh, rioting, a lot of strife, a lot of people going each other's throats. Um, so that's the situation we find ourselves in right now. And, and you've already, uh, said something to put that into the context of our nation's history. So in your experience, just as growing up as a black man in America, in the military, and now in ministry, um, how do you how do you interpret what we're seeing right now, and especially through your Christian worldview, mm-hmm. through the lens of Scripture? How do you interpret what we're what we're seeing right now, and uh, how do you respond to it? Yeah, uh, well, and, and first and foremost, um, you, know, you know, evil actions. Uh, sinful actions, um, we we understand that those things aren't right. Uh, that are the abuses and atrocities that we're seeing, um, none of us can call that and justify that. Uh, and so we sh- we should never uh, take that approach. Uh, but I but I I'm reminded of the scriptures that says, "Speak the truth in love." That we never forsake love for. Uh, the, the the sake of right or wrong, uh, and, and that we also allow uh, God to fight those battles. So often, when we have times like this, uh, we can we can uh, react too quickly. Uh, we can jump and respond in a way that God never intended us to respond, uh, because we we become shocked or surprised or enraged by these things. Uh, and, and God doesn't want us to be surprised by it. You know, we live in a world that has atrocities, that has evils. Um, uh, and, and he spelled that out in his word. He's, he shared us that, that there will be trials, that there will be troubles. But he also tells us to be sober, you know, and, and, and that means uh, to be wise, to uh, have, a, have a great understanding of what's happening so that we stay focused on on, on, on what's the most essential and important things because we can watch all of the news, we can watch all of the shows, uh, and it can enrage us. And we know the scriptures remind us to, yes, be angry, but sin not. And so we don't want to respond in a way 
that that the very thing that we are enraged about or that we're upset about or we're saying is wrong, that we do. Because here's what, what the reality that I've learned, that hurting people hurt people. And so we, you know, even though we may be hurting, we have to realize that our response, especially as a Christian, is so vitally important. And how do we respond? We look through the scriptures uh, and we see uh, that Jesus Christ, you know, saw the atrocities of this world. He saw the pain and the suffering. And his desire was to seek and to save. And so he came, you know, with all power and authority. He could have uh, enacted his power. And so often we want, we want justice. We want uh, it to be corrected. And, but Jesus was long-suffering for everyone. And he was willing to sacrifice and give of himself. Uh, and so often we want to be equal and we want to have equality. When, as we look at Christ's example, and, and, and what I believe brotherly love means is not to be equal with one another, but to esteem your brother higher than yourself. That we actually lift each other up that we encourage one another, uh, and that we make of ourselves no reputation, that we lower ourselves for our brother and for our sister and for those that are hurting. Uh, and, and so that who gets the glory in that? God does. Mm. You know, and so it, it, does it require and challenge us to change our perspective? Absolutely. Because we can look at it from our viewpoint, and, and, and so often we just see one side of it. When God wants us to to, to see all the many sides of it, to be willing to get on the journey with one another. Uh, Larry Crabb wrote a book called Soul Talk. And that soul, it, it, and it says that, that each and every one of us has a, has a soul. We have mind, will, and emotions. And it's so important that we don't just talk surface stuff. We don't just address the issues, but we really try to get to know one another. We get down to the soul of one another and then we'll see many times the root cause. We'll see the hurts, the pains, why, why we're reacting a certain way. And as we get on the, the journey with one another, we'll experience things and have a deeper understanding of, of, of why this has affected so many. Mm. And then we're willing to, to wait and be patient. At the, as the scriptures remind us, it says, be so to speak, but quick to listen. And so that we dwell with one another with understanding, we have a, we're able to see a greater perspective. And it's just like that iceberg. You know, the iceberg, a lot of times we just see the tip of it, but there's so much more underneath it. There's a mountain underneath it. And the reality of it is, is we all have an element of that iceberg. And in our relationships with one another, we see the, the tip, but we don't see all the rest. And so being willing to be a little bit more patient and understanding and walk that journey. And I think that's been the challenge with, with all the things that have, that have happened. Here's what I'm learning. Um, they've been there. So often we don't want those things to, 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 to be there. And we see the symptom. We see the, the symptoms of these hurts and these pains. And really what we see is the rejecting of God. You know, the, the rejecting of following his plan. Because he had a divine plan from the beginning of the earth beginning of time. And then, you know, what, what he says that the day that we reject him, that the day we eat of this, we will surely die. We'll be broken. And so we're seeing the symptoms of brokenness. Mm. 
but God wants to heal us. And he wants to do that in and through us, that we would be change agents. We would be ambassadors for his grace, for his mercy, and that we don't react with vengeance and react with retaliation. But now we have an opportunity to show his goodness and his grace and his love and turning the other cheek. Mm. You know, and as painful as it may seem, that's what we're called to. That's what Christians should do, that they mm-hmm. show light and not darkness. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that we're and, and that's how we're able to transform the world around us. Yeah. So can you give me uh, specifically like what do you see in scripture and in the gospel that should inform the way that we pursue reconciliation and pursue unity, um, not not just in our country, but among Christian brothers and sisters yeah. who are divided right now. What do you see in Scripture and the gospel that should inform the way we do that? Well, the, 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 the Scripture that, that rings loudly in my heart is Ephesians 4.3. It says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Are we endeavoring, being intentional about reaching out to our brothers and sisters uh, and, and loving on them? And keeping that bond, see, bond is is sticking together in the bond of peace, that we allow peace to be that glue that holds us together, mm-hmm. and that peace that comes from God. I also uh, think about um, uh, the scripture that reminds us to be, uh, you know, patient and long suffering in, in caring towards one another. That that's so needed in in our society and our time today. That we don't allow we don't allow ourselves. Uh, to overreact, to be quick. Uh, and then I think about three things that someone shared with me uh, in, in times past uh, and that I've kind of uh, tried to tweak these thoughts in my mind. Uh, the first one is friendship. You know, uh, that you know, we're uh, intentional about reaching out to one another. Proverbs tells us that, uh, that a, a man that have friends must first make himself friendly. You know, and are we willing to reach out to one another and be intentional about being friends? Mm. And then uh, I, I remember that someone said there's there's a difference between a friend and acquaintance. And the difference between a friend and an acquaintance is do you sit down and have a meal together? Mm. Do you invite one another over your home? Because we can have acquaintances, you know, in our workplace and at church. But when you sit down and eat a meal with someone. When you invite someone into your home, you're inviting them into your life. And then you're in fellowship with them. And we see that in the book of Acts, what it says, and they and, and, and they join together in the breaking of bread and in fellowship and in, 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 in the apostles' doctrine. Mm-hmm. And so they were studying the word together. They were eating together. They were living life together. Mm-hmm. And it's so important that we be willing to do that because when we when we when we connect with someone and we live life with them, uh, when we have differences, we, we we tend to forgive a lot easier. We tend to try to understand because we develop a connection with them. And I think the third one that we're that that's so important, uh, and I think it's challenged in our in our nation today, is that so often we can see ourselves as wanting to help someone. But are we willing to allow someone to pour into our life? Maybe that's someone of a different culture, of a different background. And see, what we've learned as we look at Acts 17, verse 26, is that we're all of one blood. You know, and that we were created 
by God, you know, through Adam and Eve, uh, and that we've all been appointed here for a certain time and a certain season. And so there are gifts, talents, and abilities, um, anointings on uh, individuals' lives that are of different cultures and backgrounds. And, and I believe that's the beauty of God and the diversity of God and the wholeness of God. And he created that so that we could see all the beauty that he has. And are we willing to allow others to point to us? Mm-hmm. Because so often we're willing to go on, have a life on missions to pour, uh, for us to pour into others. But are we willing to receive? Mm-hmm. Because what it says is that those, that others are needed when we allow someone to pour into our life. I remember growing up that all of my, my uh, receiving uh, when it comes to teaching and, and, and preaching of the word as a, as a young person was from black preachers, black teachers. And there was something different when I went to Christian Tabernacle and I saw Miss Montgomery, Sister Montgomery, who was a little white lady who hair, she had a, I called it a beehive. She was probably about five foot tall, but when she, when her hair was all dressed up, she she looked about seven feet tall. Uh, And Sister Montgomery would just love on me. I remember her looking me in my eyes and she said, she said, Jeff, I love you. And God does too. And I believed it. I saw this white lady who was hugging on this, a uh, smelly little black boy. And she said, God loves you. And so do I. And I believed it. It was transformational to me. Mm-hmm. Because somebody that didn't look like me, somebody that didn't talk like me, I could tell that they loved me. Would we be willing to do that for somebody else? Mm-hmm. And that would cause a wall to be broken down. And unity to be to, to come into our into our existence. And so I think those are the things that friendship, fellowship, and being willing to, to receive and to pour into one another would transform this world that we have. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's that's the calling that's been placed on the saints of God to step up and step into that. <laughs>